Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I'm inviting people to the Retreat House table to share their story, and I'm so glad you're here to join us. Welcome to the table and to to season three of the Retreat House Podcast. This is so fun. I can hardly believe that I've made it three seasons or into season three. This is so great. And I this is just the most perfect way to start off this next season is talking about hospitality, which is something that Retreat House is based on. That's how it all started, Benedictine Hospitality, Welcoming the Stranger. And the book invited The Power of Hospitality in an Age of Loneliness by Leslie Verner came across my path. And I, as I read it, I just felt kindred to Leslie and the, the experiences that she's having and what she's writing about. And I think it's such an important conversation. So I am so pleased to welcome Leslie Verner to the podcast. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I, uh, you know, I, I really did. When I first started reading this book, I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> to everything you're saying. So what, uh, and why don't you tell us a little bit about you before we dive into the book? Okay. So I uh, currently live in Colorado with my family. I have three small children that are all turning their birthdays this summer. So they are soon to be three, five, and seven. I got married what I thought was kind of late at the time. Of Mm -hmm. course, now looking back, I'm like, it was not. (laughs) I wasn't that old, but I turned 32 on my honeymoon. And so um, my life leading up to that was more kind of what I thought my life would be. And I lived in China for five years. I kind of uh, felt called to missions. So I ended up doing that. I lived overseas. And then in a surprise, God kind of U-turned my life and brought me back to the States, to mm-hmm. Chicago, to marry an actor in Chicago. And oh. so, yeah. So, <laughs> so I feel like I've had kind of like two lives so far. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so now I have kind of my mom slash writer life, and before that was you know my single slash teacher slash you know studying Chinese self. So wow, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Very cool. Did you ever read, or um, most people have, are familiar with Anne of Green Gables? Oh yes. And how she yeah. wanted to go and to do all these adventures yep. and oh yeah. yeah yeah I can really relate. <laughs> and then like Joe in Little Women, mm-hmm. she wanted to be a writer, and then she tried to go to New York, and then she ended up kind of back where she started. Yeah, yeah. I can really yep. identify with a lot of those. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh believe me, that's why I started writing. <laughs> so work work, work it all through out. it. Yeah. <laughs> the yep. process. So mm-hmm. what? Where did? Where did this book come out of? Well. um, kind of something I had been thinking about for a while, but, you know, I lived in China and I studied while I was there, I got my master's in intercultural studies. Mm. And so I was really kind of attuned to the culture where I was living and trying to uh, live as much according to the culture as I could. And, and then when I came back to the States, I, um, you know, I got married pretty quickly and had started having children pretty quickly. And then just was really kind of floundering to find, community and friendship and just the the connected relationships that I had experienced before. And we moved from Chicago to Colorado about four years ago. And we really struggled when we did that. I mean, granted, I think the stage of life is kind of prohibitive Mm -hmm. of, you know, (laughs) forming very deep relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't help that we moved. But um, as we were here and kind of attending churches and 
trying to get plugged in, I just started kind of thinking back to my time in China and how hospitable people were and how I was just constantly welcomed in, even though I was a stranger and, you know, invited over by people all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I was single and I was, you know, kind of an enigma to a lot of people. And so I think there was some of that. I don't, some I don't curiosity. Think, I don't think Chinese people regularly invite others, you know, strange Chinese people over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there is a lot of that, but also just kind of thinking about the, a culture of hospitality and how um, so many cultures in the East just kind of naturally do that. And it's, it's more organic. And so, you know, especially living out here in Colorado and moving out West, which was kind of founded on this idea of like independence and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. individualism and all of that. I just kind of started thinking more about that. And so, yeah, the book came out a lot of my, uh, out of my own experience of experiencing hospitality, but then also feeling lonely and experiencing loneliness. Well, and I think, I think that's true in today's age. And I also think it's true, like you said about that, the stage of life when you have young children can feel very sheltered and very away from everything and very disconnected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that too, stage of life. And also Mm -hmm. moving during that stage of life doesn't help either. Right. Because is your family, were you moving away from family? We were actually moving toward family. My family, um, I grew up in Florida and we kind of all decided to move out to Colorado you know, my parents were in their 60s, and here they uprooted and moved wow. to the mountains. And they're about three hours from us. Okay. But, um, yeah, so we we're, we see more of them, but it's not like I can just drop my kids off at my mom's house every right, day or right, something. Right. Yeah, it's not as close as I would like it to be. <laughs> and so what you were talking about, the experience that you had in China, speaking a lot mm-hmm. to influencing a lot of what came out of the book, What what are some things that you learned about your experience there that you're trying to apply now to life in Colorado? Because I would imagine when you're, I mean, when you're the transplant and you're trying to get connected, usually Uh the expectation would be that the people there would host you and be hospitable to you. Right. Are you finding that you're needing to be hospitable to meet people? How is that? Does that make sense? How is that working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. So we visited over almost 20 churches in wow. the past, in the first, <laughs> in the first three years we were here and we did get plugged into a couple and especially one of the churches we visited was super hospitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like that was kind of the outlier of a church. And so mm-hmm. as I was thinking back, um, you know, around the anniversary of the third year we had been here, I, I was thinking back to like how many times we'd actually been invited over to someone's home mm-hmm. and, I talk about this a little bit in the book and I asked my, my five-year-old at the time, I was like, can you think of anybody, you know, can you think of any homes we've been invited to in the past few years? And he immediately listed off some names, but they were all international students that had invited us over that we had gotten to know. They were like, you know, some Chinese people, Mm -hmm. a family from Iran, um, and not Americans actually. (laughs) So, um, I kind of did the math and I realized we had been invited over to an American's home only three times in three years. And yeah, and I, and we had invited people over, but it wasn't always reciprocated. And, you know, it's just time of life. And Mm -hmm. I mean, things happen. So I mean, it it wasn't like I was staging an experiment, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a scientific experiment or social (laughs) experiment necessarily. I mean, it was just like, looking back, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that those statistics are right for our family. 
So, um, yeah, so I think for us, a lot of it has been, um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, Did I answer that question? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. so. Have you found that you being hospitable to people, Mm -hmm. even though you're the transplant, has that Mm -hmm. helped in you getting connected? I guess I should ask, do you feel connected Mm -hmm. now, even? Yeah, we feel a lot more connected. Um, We finally did settle in a church, and I think that has helped a ton, just kind of you know, there's a book, a chapter in my book called Staying Put. And so I think mm-hmm. for me, I'm such a goer and a doer and I want to try new things and go new places. And um, I think there's something to knowing that we're committed to a neighborhood. We bought a house also, and I, that's a, it's the first home I've ever owned. And I got it when I was in my, you know, late 30s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But there's something about knowing that we're not just going to be leaving next year um, and that we're committed to the church where we are. And I think that that kind of affects the, the way that other people treat us as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and when I, we lived in Chicago, it's, it's very transient. And there's just always this feeling of like, how deep can I really get with people before they're going to leave? Mm-hmm. And I think without even realizing it, we hold back in relationships. And, you know, not that we should. And I think that we, we should continue to have relationships with people, even if they're leaving. And even if we know they're transient because, you know, they can be mutually beneficial. Um, And that's really hospitality anyway. It's, you know, not having those specific things that you you need people to do. It's loving strangers. But I I think that's played a lot into feeling more settled here. Yeah, and I think we've really tried to stay local. And I think, you know, that local with our school, Mm -hmm. pretty local with our church, um, I think that really influences communities as well when we're not driving, you know, right. 45 minutes across, across town to do this thing and then 30 minutes the other way to do this other thing. I mean, it depends on where we live because, um, you know, some cities are not that big. Right. But some, you know, I grew up in Tampa and it, it could take you an hour to drive from one end of the city to the other. And, you know, plenty of people went to churches 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to find community with those people or in your neighborhood, you know, right. if you're not committed to your local area. Right. So that's, those have been a few crucial things that have helped us feel more connected, I think. Well, and you mentioned your, the chapter staying put, and I think this quote comes from that chapter when you were talking about work, you were a teacher uh-huh. in the inner city, and you were talking about yearning for that 30-year fruit. You were talking about the yeah. couple, I can't remember their names now, that yeah. lived in Chicago. The, uh, Wayne Gordon and also Michelle Warren in um, Denver. But yeah. I think it was Wayne Gordon I was – oh, no, it was um, Jonathan Hartgrove or Wilson Hartgrove that I was quoting okay. from his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and you were talking about the couple that moved to the community that you were teaching in and how they yeah. they committed to stay there and, and to do life there and to yep. not drive in from the suburbs to the inner city to teach but to really – and which is – such a, I mean, that's a huge, I have so many thoughts going through my head right now. That's such a huge <laughs> commitment, but mm-hmm. it just feels right. I mean, that's what you would want is someone who's, who's in it, someone yep. who's in it with you to come alongside yep. you and be the, do this life thing with you. Yeah. I, so yeah, I taught my first year teaching, I was in the inner city and it, it, it was, um, you know, very impoverished neighborhood and, and yet I was driving from the north side of Chicago to go mm-hmm. teach on the west side. 
And I, th- I think my students knew, you know, mm-hmm. they, I think they knew ultimately I wasn't committed to them or their community or their neighborhood. And, you know, I think it, and I, I at that time in my life, I don't think I was ready for that sort of commitment. I didn't feel necessarily called to move to the neighborhood, but I think that that would have affected the outcome a lot more of um, my relationships with my students and, and my ability to stay at that school if I had committed and moved there and Mm -hmm. just shown that I was in it, not just for a year to feel good about myself, but, you know, for the long haul. So did that contribute to you then moving to China and teaching in China? A little bit. Um, I actually, when I was 16, I kind of went to this huge missions conference and did the whole go forward and Mm -hmm. give my life to missions. And so really from that point in my life, I kind of felt like propelled forward to do overseas missions. And I thought Mm -hmm. it would be Africa because I think that's what everyone thinks. (laughs) That's the place to go. But um, I actually went to Uganda my senior year of um, college. And, you know, while I was there, I lived with a a family. It was much more like culture um, and development oriented. Mm -hmm. It wasn't missions so much. I, you know, I was there as a learner and yeah, while I was there, I was like, I don't think this is the place for me. <laughs> um, so it was, so I felt like teaching in Chicago was kind of a stepping stone to, you know, ultimately where I thought God was going to lead me in the future, which was overseas somewhere teaching, which is okay. what I ended up doing right for a short time. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. So we've kind of been touching about different parts of hospitality and what it looks like and what it is. How do you, how would you define or put into words what hospitality is? I think hospitality is a lot more broad than we think of it. You know, in the Bible, the Greek word for hospitality means love of strangers. Mm -hmm. And it's um, so often in the church, it's thought of as like a gift, like people think they have the gift of hospitality or they don't have the gift of hospitality. Right. You know, if you if you look at the passages in the Bible about hospitality, it's not a gift, it's a command. It's, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Pr- practice hospitality, you know, and then there's these side benefits of like practice hospitality. You might be showing, you know, hospitality to angels right. in disguise, basically. So I think that hospitality is much broader. I, I think of it more as um, connections and um, kind of having an an open door, not necessarily your own door, but just in, maybe in your own soul mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. other than your friends and your family. So, And I think that we so often think of hospitality as friends and family, like right. what family can we invite over? You know, or I, what, you know, I have to host this birthday party. But for me, I've been challenged to think kind of outside the box of just my friends and family and the people I feel comfortable with naturally to who, you know, who God might be bringing on my path that I'm not even noticing. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's, that's what hospitality is. Yeah. So there's obviously so much more I could say about yeah, that. No, I totally agree. And what's, so I'm in Minnesota and what's interesting is everybody, I mean, what do you think of when you think of Minnesota, Minnesota nice. Mm-hmm. And yep. people will be nice and pleasant, but mm-hmm. don't ask to come to my house. Don't yes. ask to go deep or, you know, when it's a holiday, we're going to be with our family because everybody lives within, you know, 45 yeah. minutes of each other. Right. And I, some yeah. of my really good friends from church, I realized were all non-native Minnesota people. And oh, interesting. I, yeah. 
And they all started talking about how hard it was to mm-hmm. to, to really get connected. Kind of like the experience you're having in Colorado the ex- of mm-hmm. getting connected. But then with yeah. the added layer of, you know, the expectation of well, Minnesota, nice, but <laughs> like they couldn't go. They had trouble going deep. And it was right. interesting. I mean, it was something that I didn't even realize having I'm so steeped in Minnesota culture, having lived here all my life. Uh-huh. that I didn't even realize it. And then to open my eyes and exactly what you were saying to people beyond my friends and my family uh-huh. and who are people that I can, you know, as something as small as look in their eyes and acknowledge yep. them and smile at them when they're someone I don't know or yep. inviting or maybe inviting someone over or maybe inviting someone out to lunch or after church going over and talking to people I don't know Instead mm-hmm. of just talking to the people I do know. Yep. Yeah. I think it definitely takes a level of intentionality, though, because it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel comfortable. And so I don't think, unless, if we're not thinking about it, I don't think we're going to really do it. No. And, and so, I think it's a process yeah. to get to the point of actually doing it, too. Yeah. Like, yep. It, it took me a while to realize, oh, I'm not doing this. And then it mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh, I should go do this tomorrow. I mean, that would be great. But <laughs> it was, there yeah. was a longer process of... Oh, okay. No, like a change, like a heart change. I mean, there needed to be a change that happened within me to be able to go mm-hmm. out and do that. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I had been so programmed to, uh, to go somewhere and find the people that needed, you know, a friend or a relationship. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's been challenging to just accept that where I am is where God has me. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something I think we all are mm-hmm. always struggling with, you know, <laughs> um, and it's not, I mean, it's so obvious, but it's kind of like, okay, well, I thought that God wanted me in China and I thought that would be the wonderful thing that I could do for God, you know, mm-hmm. but then he so clearly in so many different ways brought me back and here we are. And so I have to, I have to imagine that, you know, God is present here just as just as he was in China and just as he was in Uganda and, you know, everywhere else. And so I talk about this in the book too, but, um, one day I was on a run and, you know, I had been really kind of thinking about like, okay, how can I get out of my own bubble? And, um, you know, maybe I need to go volunteer at a, a prison, you know, and teach a writing class or something, or maybe I need to, you know, teach an ESL class or, you know, Mm -hmm. use my skills or my gifts in some way to serve other people. And, you know, as I was running, I felt like God was reminding me of this, you know, the good Samaritan in that Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I feel like we talk about it so often, but for me, it was like, okay, so the Samaritan, he was on the, on the road, you know, the Jericho road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he saw this man who was, who was injured. And, you know, we all, I think most of us know the story mm-hmm. and, you know, these other two religious leaders didn't stop. And then he's the one who stopped, but it's not like he had to go so far out of his way to find someone to help, you know? Right. And so as I was running, I was like, you know what? I think, I think God sometimes just wants us to look and see who's already on our road, you mm-hmm. know, who's on our Jericho road that maybe we're not even noticing. You yeah, know, what I like the person that God wants us to help right then. You know, yeah. sometimes we mm-hmm. do need to, I think we need to change roads sometimes. Right. You know, if we're in a bubble and we're in a very safe place and we never are exposed to anyone other than, you know, people like us, I think, right. you know, and we have, you know, it's a season of life where we can do that. 
But sometimes I think we just have to open our eyes and be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I see this woman every day at, you know, preschool pickup and she's struggling. Like, how can mm-hmm. I help her? How can I be a friend to this person? That was really freeing for me. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. liked what you pointed out in that story, too, about the Samaritan brought the, the injured man to the, the hotel and said, gave them money and said, I'll be back. Like he was he st- had something to do. Like I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't thought about that before. That he was on his, he was doing his thing, and was just aware right. of the people around him while he was doing his thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows what he was, who he was doing? You know, <laughs> right, he right. just had to pause it, and then yeah, to be yeah. aware of other people. Yeah, yeah, I like what I don't remember. I don't have the page number on here, <laughs> but I think it, this is a quote from Michelle Warren, where you were talking about privileged people will listen to privileged people, and you have a mm-hmm. voice. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Michelle Warren. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the the conversation that we're having and the experience that you had in China, I in in my own process too of realizing there are some places because I'm I live I'm a white woman who lives in the suburbs, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of privilege that I have, and how right. can I use that privilege to steward conversations, or how can I steward mm-hmm. that privilege in and bring conversations to places that other people can't bring those conversations. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I really, uh, you know, what has that looked like for you? I mean, is this, is your book part of that? Part of you stewarding this privilege that you have and the, cause I just really feel like the experience mm-hmm. that you had in China and the experiences that you've had are so many experiences I have not had. And mm-hmm. it's so eye-opening and world-stretching and, you know, it can mm-hmm. be faith-deconstructing to have conversations like that. And I think it's important. So mm-hmm. what has that looked like for you to, to steward your privilege in the conversations that you have? So many directions. I can yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just I real quick so in 30 seconds. The, Just kidding. <laughs> I won't talk so much about the racial. I, I think, that's I think Michelle is talking too. more about maybe white people being able to talk to other white people about, you know, a lot of the racial, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to use the word issues, problems in our country. Um, But as far as, I guess, the privilege of me having lived overseas and experienced another culture, and, you know, that I see that as a privilege. You know, people used to say to me when I lived overseas, like, oh, it's such a sacrifice that you're Mm -hmm. living here. And I just thought to myself, it is not like it's, it's a privilege. It felt like such a privilege to get to have another life and see how other people live. You know, yes, there were sacrifices and there were a lot of difficulties and it was not romantic or perfect by any stretch. <laughs> but I think we don't often get to live in someone else's shoes, you know, and the best way to not the best way to do that, but I think. I I was able to do that because I lived in another culture and studied another language. And Mm -hmm. so when I lived there, I I actually started writing, I think, because I had to write newsletters. You know, I had to kind of report back to people who were supporting me. And, um, you know, I had gotten a ton of, like, really boring missionary newsletters (laughs) over the years (laughs) before I went overseas. And so I was like... I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that to people. But um, one friend, this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, I'll get back. Um, One friend wrote some newsletters that were just riveting and they were stories and short. And I felt like I was there with them. And so when I wrote newsletters, that's what I was really trying to do Mm -hmm. um, to just 
speak to someone who would maybe never have that experience. And so I, that's, I think that really trained me to try to write in a way that, you know, use like kind of what you're supposed to do as a writer, like use your five senses and, Mm -hmm. um, describe things in a way that people feel like they're there with you. And so, yeah, I feel like writing for me now is, is using that privilege, um, that, of, you know, to share those stories that maybe people have never had an opportunity to experience or never will. You know, I think it's challenging to try to communicate another culture in another place, you know, with my own lenses and my own, you know, ways of viewing things. But I think it, it it's a way of using privilege to, you know, share the experiences that I've had. So mm-hmm. thank you that for that. Sense? Yep, that does. And thank you, because I think a lot of times when people hear privilege, they go right to racial reconciliation. And then all of a sudden, it's like walls and gates and you know, the conversation ends when I think there Uh are different, I think, I think everybody has different kinds of privileges. Some people have Uh more than others, but I think it's important to recognize the, the breadth of the different privileges that we have to make sure that we can steward those well. And sometimes that means having hard conversations Uh at family reunions, (laughs) just just as an example. (laughs) Oh, yes. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. Maybe. No, I know. <laughs> yes, we won't go into that. I no. guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I, but I do think that hospitality can be a way to work toward that, to work toward reconciliation, you know, not only racial, racial reconciliation, but just, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of, my mind's kind of exploding all of a sudden. <laughs> um <laughs> Like the, I, I think this is why I so much believe in hospitality because I really uh-huh. think it can change the world. You know, yep. one of the other quotes I have circled is to, to get proximate, to get proximate to people who are different than you, who are other than you, because yeah. not only are you going to learn about them and about their life and their culture and, you know, where, how they do life and where they've done life. But you're also going to learn more about you. And I I think it's so valuable because I think a lot of us, speaking Uh from majority culture, don't realize Uh that we have a culture. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's the norm. You know, it's what people would consider the norm. And I think think that makes life kind of dull. And when you realize that you have culture, it's like it's in technicolor. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we live – that's been a huge – this is another tangent, but that's okay. I mean, it's related to what you're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> um, we're having we're having coffee, right? We're, this is just right. a conversation. Yep. Yep. So when we moved here from Chicago, which is obviously very diverse, mm-hmm. um, not not that we had relationships that much out of people that you know outside of people looking just like us. So mm-hmm. just because you live in a, a place that's diverse does not mean you have relationships right. with you know, so, and that, that was a struggle for me. And then we moved here. We're in Fort Collins, uh, Northern Colorado, and it is very white. And it's, um, that was a struggle for me, I think at first, because I was used to just many more colors of skin and languages and food choices and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. And so what I've realized though, um, you know, and I love cultures, other cultures. I mean, I lived in another one and I studied them. And Mm -hmm. so, I think for me, that was kind of a loss when we moved here, um, just selfishly, I, you know, I just enjoy that. Um, but I've, what I've realized is that no matter where we live, it, you know, well, 
I can't say that about every place. I would mm-hmm. say most of the places we live, especially like where, where I live right now, we can find people that don't look like us if we're looking. Mm-hmm. And if we go to places that are not the places that other people look like us go, you know, for us, it's going to a different swimming pool or going to a different McDonald's or mm-hmm. um, even going to a different church. You know, like I think if we are are trying to find people that are different from us, uh, we will find them. And so, you know, I hear that from a lot of people like I live, you know, it's all white people where I live only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think we can benefit from being in proximity to people that don't look like us, you know, no matter if we're white people or not, you know, right. um, I think that's how God designed the church to look too. So I think that there's really benefits. Um, that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> well, but, and, yeah. and one of the other things that I circled from the book is the, how you talk about hospitality is that hospitality grips us by the chin and turns our face to notice, serve, and honor humanity inside, outside, and on the wayside. Sometimes mm-hmm. we invite people into our homes and lives, and sometimes we get out and join people in unfamiliar, uncomfortable spaces, like what you're talking about. But yeah. we always pray for peeled back eyes to walk our Jericho roads, seeing and celebrating the souls along the way as Jesus in disguise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. And I think that could almost be a, <laughs> a, a like a definition of what uh, what it looks like to live yeah. a hospitable life. Too. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so end of conversation. Well, we're done. That was great. <laughs> well, and something else I Not love- easy. So. <laughs> no, yeah. so just go do that and that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, another thing I loved about the book is that you, at the end you have discussion and reflection questions. So was that, mm-hmm. I mean, the, was that the purpose that people could then use this for study or in a group? The truth is I'm a teacher, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> I create resources. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> so the thought of not having a way for people to discuss it I, seemed kind of silly for me. So, mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, no, I think, I, I mean, I created that. I wrote those questions um, hoping that people would maybe meet together in groups and discuss some of the ideas. And I think it they would be a great springboard for people longing for community or Mm -hmm. wondering in their churches how to foster more community. And I think just being able to talk about some of those ideas might help um, increase community in in churches and Bible studies, small groups. So Yeah, that would be a great way for people to get to know other people is to do, they should do a book study with your book. Yeah. Hey, what an idea. (laughs) (laughs) And there there is scripture in there as well, Mm -hmm. so it could turn and it, I didn't create it as a Bible study per se, but it could become that if the leader was, you know, interested in making it more of a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I liked that, that there were scripture, there was scripture to read and to meditate on and, and then uh-huh. to do the questions. Uh-huh. So uh, are there some things about the book that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we talk about? Yeah. I think one thing that I think has saved some people who were nervous um, about reading it mm-hmm. is the chapter on solitude. So in, the, you know, I've, I've lived with introverts for the past 20 years. Like I've had, yeah, this is um, good. This is important. I'm an extrovert. So I forget. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Because I've lived with introverts <laughs> since starting with college. And so now, you know, I'm 40. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was so confused by introverts, you know, I was just like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you just be like how, how are you right. okay with that right if you, um, I always say like if you could tell me what I need to do to be that would be great 
Yeah, and I feel like God is always trying to teach me that, like, you don't need to do, you mm-hmm. can just be, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I so my roommates in college were introverts, and then my roommates in Chicago were introverts, and then I ended up marrying an introvert. <laughs> and so I feel like I've really studied introverts, and I'm not saying I fully understand, but I wanted to be sure that I considered people who were more introverted in the book. So I talk about that a little bit in the chapter on solitude, and also boundaries, because I feel like it's it would be easy to just say, like, okay, well, you know, we just need to have people over every single night mm-hmm. and invite your neighbors, invite your friends, do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I've done that, and it, I burned out. And so that's obviously not what God wants. And I think <laughs> um, – and that's not what Jesus did. I mean, right. he took time away to – sit with God and and yet when people approached him he didn't he didn't turn them away mm-hmm. he you know he he wasn't bothered by them but i think because he had that time with his father and had time to kind of refill the well he had he had something to give to people mm-hmm. and so yeah so i wanted to include that and so i just talk a little bit about introverts and extroverts and how we balance each other out and how you know i think God intended us to be in relationship not just with people just like us, Mm -hmm. um, but to take cues from each other. And I know my husband has really helped me with that. And so, you know, there's times when I'm like, you know, let's have people over three nights this week. And he's just like, (laughs) how about one, you know, how about one night? Or, you know, we look at our schedule and if it's, you know, if it's busy every night, we're like, we, you know, we realize we need to pull back Mm -hmm. and we need to just have some downtime. So um, hospitality is kind of a dirty word for a lot of people. I think, there's, um, it's been really interesting writing this and I almost didn't use the word in the title be, mm. or in the subtitle because some people just really have a bad feeling about it. And I think they're afraid they're going to feel guilty mm. or they're, it's a you know, they have shame because yeah. they don't ever invite anyone over and they mm. know they should. And so, um, in the book, I really wanted to, I wanted to challenge people, but I also wanted to leave space for grace and, and focus more on the character of God who is who invites, I mean, from the beginning to the end of the Bible, he, God is talking about invitation and, you know, inviting people to come into relationship with God first. And so out of that relationship with God as invited ones, that's why we invite others. Mm. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I I just want people to know that it's not a book that they're going to feel guilty after reading, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like in your face, like, why are you doing more? Um, (laughs) You know, because I, it, I don't think that's what it's about. I think, you know, yes, I sometimes we do need to be doing more, but I, I think ultimately we need to recognize that we're beloved of God and that out of that it should overflow, and it does overflow, I think, to into every corner of the world, but, it's, mm-hmm. but starting with where we live. Right, right. Yeah. Which is why I love what you talked about on the Samaritan Road. Just look where you are. Right. Just, just start there and see and just do what God is putting in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. I'm but so does, glad you, you made know, that distinction. But it does take opening our eyes, you know, right. just being aware. You know, sometimes we're too tired. And so, <laughs> or sometimes, you know, like me, I'm like, oh, I'm just tired a lot. Um, and, and I think that certain times of life, God just kind of pats us on the head and is like, it's okay, honey. <laughs> you're right. Well, and I think that's an important right. thing to, to recognize, too, the, the stage of life yeah. that you're in. Sometimes yeah. hospitality looks like 
stewarding, you know, being hospitable to the three little people that are living in your yep. house that you're taking yep. care of. And you'll of. get to that in uh, chapter eight when you get there. Okay. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's so important. I mean, it's important. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's a thing right exactly literally in front of you. Sometimes yep. it's farther, but it's spending that, like you said, that just the way that Jesus spent time with his father, spending mm-hmm. time with our father, quieting ourselves. That's my thing. Just quieting myself yep. like Elijah because God yep. might come in the whisper and I need to be quiet enough and looking and listening so that I don't miss yep. it. Yeah. Yep. I love that story. That's why we named my son Elijah oh. <laughs> from that story. I love it. Yeah. I need it. I need that reminder all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are two questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one is, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does that look like for you? Well, it's been interesting since we moved to Colorado. There's actually an abbey called the Abbey of St. Walburga, and it's about 50 minutes north of us. I had never done this before, but I had a friend that would always go to these Catholic retreat centers. Mm -hmm. And actually, she has five children, and she said she always ended up going when she was pregnant because I think she just really needed a (laughs) retreat before she had another child. But um, yeah, so when I knew I was going to be writing this book, I thought, well, this is maybe a good time to try it. And so I went there for just 24 hours. And that first time I wasn't really writing. I was just kind of, I I just wanted to see what the silence was like. Mm -hmm. And because I I just, I hadn't gotten away by myself for eight years, I think, um, since I got married and had kids. And And it can be deafening. The silence can be deafening. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's the first thing that I, I've gotten away with my husband. And that's the first thing that I always notice is like, oh my gosh, it is so quiet. Like there's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's hard to deal with at first, but, um, but it was, it was so lovely. Like, and it was, um, there were 20, I talk about this also in the book. So it was, um, about 23 nuns, I think. And so it was not monks, it was nuns and mm-hmm. they would, you know, practice the liturgy of the hours. And so they met, um, seven times, throughout the day. And, and so the people on the retreat could visit and, Mm -hmm. you know, take part in the services, but they just sang back and forth to each other and they Mm -hmm. would sing the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And the first time they sang, I just like started crying. It was so beautiful, you know, just Mm -hmm. to hear these women's voices and hearing the Psalms sung and, Anyway, and they provide your meals for you and... Well, and um, speaking of hospitality too, to be invited, I I had a similar experience at a monastery where Mm -hmm. the monks were up in front in the, like in the choir lofts and a Mm -hmm. woman was coming in with my friend and I, and she said, is this your first time? We must've looked like deer in headlights. And I thought, oh, well, we'll sit in the pews. And she took us all the way up to the choir lofts. And so we sat among them, not, not watching them, which... Yeah. was such and then same thing they were singing back and forth to each yep. other and to be invited into that yep. was yes 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 I know right. what you're talking about so powerful yep yeah so you know I've been surprised there's actually a ton of places like this that people can go to and it's not very expensive at all mm-hmm. and you know to just go somewhere and have people cook for you and then you can you know, attend the services or not, you know, you get your own little room with a desk and a bathroom. And anyway, it was, it was so great. So I, I you know, that's kind of my new favorite retreat place. <laughs> I can, I mean, it just feels like the ultimate retreat. To me. Right. 
So then my second question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? Okay. I kind of hate that you end with this. Cause no, no, we're, we've got a couple <laughs> more things like, to talk about. People will remember me by. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we should end with the thoughtful retreat. <laughs> but I want to end okay. with that everybody's human. This is why I asked the question. Because oh, yes. we okay. all have the weird things. Okay. So I'll just share what popped in my head first. So um, do you know what a, <laughs> do you know what a uvula is? <laughs> yeah, the thing in the back of your throat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a double uvula and the very weird thing is my husband also has one. Really? So we both, yes. <laughs> like how common is that? I have never I don't heard of that. very common at all. None of our children have it. So I would love to know from your listeners if any of them have So anyway, I think that's kind of weird. That, that's I have never heard that. That is that's the first time that someone's given that answer. See, there you go. <laughs> now everyone will remember me as yeah. the double double uvula girl who wrote the book about hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> so people can go wherever books are sold to get the book, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if people want to follow you and find you on social media and all those kinds of things, where where would they find you? Okay, they just need to remember two words, and it's not my name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the words are scraping raisins, and that's my blog. And so, if okay, they now go you there, have to tell us it why. Like, it, now you have to tell us why it's scraping raisins. I know, and I really <laughs> wish that it had like a way cooler name. I just quickly came up with a blog name because I needed to do a blog post. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes from because I'm a runner, and so it mm-hmm. comes from going running, and I feel like that's when I get all my writing ideas or just any ideas. I come back. Um, sometimes I take my phone with me and I'll, you know, write them in Evernote or sometimes I'll leave my phone at home and I'll run inside and like quickly scribble down, you know, all the right things I need to write about. But mm-hmm. it reminds me of like raisins. And I think, I think I came up with it cause I have little kids right now, but you know, <laughs> the box of raisins, if you tip it over and you just need to like scrape out the bottom, the mm-hmm. sticky ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just feels like that's that's what happens to all my thoughts when I go running or when I'm moving my body and I just I, I'm finally able to come up with a lot of creative ideas and so that's where I got scraping reasons, reasons from so I, I was wondering what where did that come from okay it's so I'm a very sorry. strange name but <laughs> so I totally that's why I kept you. it you know yeah but yeah <laughs> so if people go to scraping reasons all my social media is there and if they, you know, type in scraping reasons or Leslie Burner to any, you know, Twitter or I'm on Twitter and Instagram and I have a Facebook page. So I'm pretty okay. easy to find, I think. Great. And I'll make sure that the scraping reasons, your website is on the in the show notes, too. So people can go there to get that. Yeah. And right now, probably for a while, I they can get chapter one of my book free if they mm-hmm. sign up for my newsletter. So uh, if they just want to check it out, they yeah. can The Quest can for do Community. Well, thank you so much for coming on yeah. and sharing. I, I really, I, which is why I lost my word so many times during our conversation. I think, <laughs> and I appreciate what you said too, that hospitality can be a trigger word for some people. It's not for me, so I forget that. So I'm glad that you reminded mm-hmm. us of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think practicing hospitality is, as, a, as a posture, as a way of life, it's so important, mm-hmm. and I think you're bringing up such important conversations and such good conversations, opening our mm-hmm. eyes to the people that are we're doing life with or the people that we're not doing life with that maybe maybe we should take a step toward them. 
But I just think this is so important. So thank you for writing this book. Thank you for going through the process of of writing this book and putting this out into the world and and going through the process of of living it. Because I know writers live it before they write it. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. I really, it's great to talk about it and talk to you about all these things. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find the podcast at at Retreat House Podcast, and you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you next week.